doing a series called Out of the Pit. And this series, we're going to be talking about depression and anxiety and mental illness. We've had, um, we had uh, an editor from the Farmington newspaper write an article about it. I contacted them and just let them know what we were doing. Had a few other people comment on, uh, on social media saying that they were glad a church was finally doing this. We are excited to be diving into this topic. And one of the reasons is we have walked through, just in our family, we have walked through this journey of depression, anxiety, in a couple different forms over the last two years. I have walked through this personally myself. I will be sharing a little bit more of my story next week. Um, each week we're going to have someone kind of share their story of their journey walking through anxiety, depression, other forms of, of mental illness. And as we've walked through this, just as the Kerr family, um, we ha and as we planted this church a year and a half ago, Talking to people in our church, talking to counselors for some of our family members, talking to doctors about this. Our eyes were opened over the last year to just how many people are dealing with this. Just how many families are struggling through this. How many marriages are struggling through this because this is an issue in their marriage. Or families with kids who are just the battle through the school year alone is just such a battle because of anxiety, because of depression, different things that we face. So as our eyes were opened, we just felt challenged that we want to be a church that talks about this. We want to be a church that talks about this. We want to be a church that is a safe place to bring up these conversations. Um, why I want to do this series at church is because I want the church to be the safest place for us to have conversations like this, right? I want the church to be a place where I think a lot of people, they come to church and they think, well, i got to clean up my mess in my life before I can go to church because the church is full of all the perfect people that think they're all perfect. And we are here to say, and those regular homesteaders that are here would say, no, that is definitely not the case. We are all just trying to figure this out as we go along. I want us to just have an open honest conversation about this, to remove the stigma around talking about mental illness. This is an illness. This is like any other illness. This is something where I want to encourage you. A goal of this series would be to let you know that you're not alone as you walk through this. I want to bring this into the light, to find hope, to find healing. I want the church to be the place to lead the way where we talk about this. I think in church circles, you know, I think across the board there can be a stigma about talking about these things and in church circles even more because I've been around some churches where the response when someone is saying, I'm battling panic attacks, I'm battling depression, I'm battling mental illness, I think well-meaning people, they'll say, well, you just need to pray more. You know, just remember there's good news. You know, just kind of gut yourself out of it. Um, I've been in circles and some of my extended family members uh, would say, if I say, yeah, I'm really, I'm kind of struggling through this. Well, just go for a jog. Just get outside. Get some fresh air. And in church circles, it's even more. Just pray. You know, if you were spiritual enough, you wouldn't be battling this. Just think positive. And, and then there's always the most helpful one of all. There's always someone worse off than you. So cheer up a little bit. And you're just like, thanks. That's all. I feel great now. I feel great now. So I, the, the goal for why we're doing this, I'm going to be sharing today and next week. In a couple weeks, Christy's going to be speaking. Christy, my wife, for those of you who are new, she was leading worship today. She's an awesome speaker. She'll be speaking in a couple weeks as well. I want to just have a conversation on this. I am not an expert on this. 
My goal is to not diagnose as many people as possible. You know, my goal is to not have as many people walking out of here depressed as possible. You know, there's enough churches, I think, where people are leaving depressed every Sunday morning. That's not the goal. I don't want to diagnose. There's no, like, bonus from some of the counseling agencies that are here. The more people I can diagnose in the next 30 minutes. That's not my goal. I want us to have a conversation about this. I want you to know that you are not alone, that you can find support, that you can find help. We are a community of people. When we started Homestead Church, one of the foundational things we wanted was we're going to be a community of people that help each other. We're going to help each other grow in our faith. We're going to help each other meet needs in the community. And we're going to help each other through these issues that we face in life, through times of trial and difficulty and sickness and tragedy, times of mental illness, times when you're facing panic attacks and anxiety and depression, we're a community of people and we're going to help each other and we're going to not be afraid to bring up our mess because we all are a mess. We're just doing, we're following Jesus, we're a mess and we are following him and allowing him to change us, to heal us, to bring his light into our lives. This is what we want to do. So, the series is called Out of the Pit, and this series title was from Psalm 40, in the Old Testament, Psalm 40, and it says this. These words will be on the screen. This was kind of the, the, the main theme for our series. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many would see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. That really sums up my ultimate goals for this series. I want to see that. I want to see God lift people out of the pit. I want to see God bring healing and wholeness. I want people to find spiritual help, a community that can help them. I want them to find practical resources and practical tools to help them. I want people to feel like their feet are put on solid ground. And I love the verse, he has put a new song in my mouth. He has given me a new song to sing. I would love it if we would, people who have been singing the song of anxiety and depression for years would have a new song put in their hearts, right? Isn't that great, a great idea? This new song that God puts in our life, no longer singing the tunes and walking through every day of depression and anxiety and hurt and pain, but having a new song that God heals us, a new song that brings praise to him, a new song that we have been given new life and new hope. So today the topic is, um, and maybe you got an invite card or you saw this, it's called How Did I Get Here? Next week, we're going to be talking about how long will I be here, this battle of mental illness. How long will I be here? Next week, we're going to dive into some pretty serious topics, talking about suicide, talking about disappointment with God. If you are walking through this darkness for years, for an extended period of time, it is totally natural to start thinking, especially if you're a person of faith, God, why are you allowing this? Why are you allowing me to go through this? I'm praying, would you please deliver me from this? We're going to talk about those things next week how that we live in the natural world, but we also live in the spiritual world, and there is a spiritual enemy, and God is our deliverer. We're going to talk about that next week. And then we have a couple more weeks after that. So after each service, 
I'm just kind of giving you the rundown before we really dive in today. After each service up front, I've talked to a few couples in our church. They're going to come up. They're going to be standing up here. I would love it if you want someone to just to pray for you. If you want someone just to pray for you, there's going to be great couples up here. Uh, after the service, just come on up. They're going to pray for you. They are not counselors. They are not, you know, physicians. They're not going to diagnose you either. They're simply going to pray for you. Just come up. Just say, here's what I'm facing, and they're going to pray for you. We believe that there is power in prayer. In addition to that, after the service, we have some great practical resources available. In the lobby in the back, you'll see all their displays set up. There are different community resources and Christian counseling agencies and faith-based agencies. I am so grateful for them that they are willing to come help us out in this series. They've done this with a few other churches, and when I contacted them, all of them were just so willing. They said, we're, we're glad to come and help in any way we can. This is Sunday. I'm sure this is not a normal work day for them. But they are here. They're setting up their materials. They are here to be a resource for you. So we have um, some representatives from NAMI, N-A-M-I, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Ashley Stevens is a friend of ours. She works for the Dakota County for Mental Health Services. We have Water's Edge Counseling and Healing Center and Life Development Resources. Can we give them a hand as they are here today? Again, I want to thank you for being here um, to help. I thank you that you've taken time out of your schedule to come and help our church through this. They are designed, this is designed to give you practical tools, a next step. If you have questions, if you need a next step, if you need some resources, go talk to them after the service. They are happy to help. Um, ask questions. They are here to help. We will, we will be in a no-judge situation. We're all just going to go talk to them. We're all going to go through and, and talk to them. And if you're feeling sheepish about talking to one of them, thinking someone's going to look at me and they're going to think I'm, I'm messed up, well, we're going to just assume you're asking for a friend, like I did when I was asking questions in sixth grade health class. This is not about me. This is for my friend. So, um, no, I want you to feel comfortable going out there and talking to people. So here are the basics as we, as we dive in. Mental illness is, uh, this is a definition I found, is a medical condition disrupting a person's thinking, their feeling, their mood, and their ability to relate to others and daily functioning. It is a medical condition. One in four, I mean, there's a number of stats, but I saw one in four people will suffer from mental illness. You are not alone. When I read that, I realize we're not alone. If we go through this, you are not alone. It is treatable. There is hope. These are some of the kind of the introductory stats and facts that I want to lay out for you. It is treatable. It is an illness. It is treatable. For most part in this series, I'm going to be talking about depression and anxiety. There's two, those are two very common forms of mental illness. There are a number of other ones. There's schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, attention deficit disorder, ADD, OCD. There's a number of them. Um, and I'm going to refer mostly to depression and anxiety. And I, I've said it already, I am not an expert. I am not an expert. I read a couple of books. <laughs> and just as I was preparing for this, it was actually funny because we, we knew we were going to do this series about three or four months ago. We were planning this. And so I said, well, I'm going to start just reading through some stuff now. And so Amazon.com, I go on there and search for resources on depression and anxiety and found a few books and so I ordered a few. And while well, Amazon, if you order books online, then it sends you an email. Thank you for ordering these books. And this email is a shared email account between me and my wife, who was working in her office in the other room. We both office from home. And uh, so about 10 minutes later, I get a text from her. It's funny. I was working outside on the back patio, and she was inside, and she texts me. Because she saw the email and said, thank you for ordering When Life Goes Dark. 
depression and discouragement. One was called help, someone I love is depressed. And so she saw those and she just texted me and she said, everything okay out there? <laughs> you know, <laughs> how you feeling? So uh, a couple of those books that I read were really great and I wanna put just this slide up there. There's a slide that lists these books. If you're looking, I mean this is, again, I read a few books and these were two that were a great resource if you're looking for something. And the people in the back, all the counselors, they'll have way more insight as to resources. But one is called When Life Goes Dark by Richard Winter, a very comprehensive and through the eyes of a faith-based person, someone who's walked through this, a licensed physician who has dealt with people going through this from a Christian perspective, Richard Winter, and then a very short book, Discouragement and Depression by Henry Cloud and John Townsend, both doctors, medical doctors, a very short book, but a very easy read, very practical tools for dealing with, mostly de dealing with depression. So if you're looking for some resources, those were two of the books that I read that I really thought were great, and I'll use some of the material from them in the, in the message today. Um, but in those books, I read one definition on depression that I really loved. I'll start talking about depression a little bit. And this is going to be on the screen. Depression is the soul's cry for help. In this way, it's a blessing. Depression is an unmistakable signal that something is wrong inside. Depression is a physical symptom. It's a signal from your body, from your mind, that something is wrong inside. It could be your body's way of telling you that you are burnt out that you are just burnt out, that you are neglecting healthy living, healthy habits, that you are overworking, you're working all the time, you're never resting, you're not eating or you're not eating well. It could be something as simple as that. It could be your body's way of saying there's something unresolved in your life. There's a trauma. There is something you went through. There is a grief that you haven't mourned. There's a trauma that you haven't dealt with. This would be, you know, common in a post-traumatic stress disorder sort of thing. There's something that you haven't resolved in your past. Maybe there's an unforgiveness or a bitterness that is in your past that is just eating away at you, and now your body is showing physical signs that there is something wrong. It could be that you've been so programmed to think negatively about everything. Everything you go to, you think negatively. Your first thought is a negative thought, and now it's having physical, actual physical effects on you. And if you don't think that your mind has the ability to cause physical effects, then you, uh, you haven't experienced this because it will cause, if you start thinking negatively consistently, it will have effects on you. And finally, it could simply be your body's way of telling you that something isn't physically right, that your brain chemicals are out of balance. Um, in reading some of these things, scientists would know that mood-related chemicals such as serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine, the happy chemicals in your brain, um, during depression, those chemicals are low. So there is simply a brain chemical issue at work as well. They would refer to this as a chemical imbalance. Sometimes the brain chemicals are just off. They're just off, and it's not because you're doing anything unhealthy. It's not because there's great trauma in your past. It's just simply... Your brain is supposed to be producing different chemicals in different amounts, and it's not doing that right, and that is causing a depression. And when that's the case, you know, you can try to uh, exercise your way out of it. You can try to think positively, but if it's simply a chemical imbalance, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just your body isn't producing enough chemicals. If it was your body's not producing enough insulin, you would say, well, that's just something I got to go to the doctor and try to figure out. If it was a cholesterol problem, you'd go to the doctor and you'd try to figure it out. If you had a stomach ulcer, the worst thing you could do is say, well, I'm not going to tell anybody about it. I'm just going to think positively and go through with it. No, you would go to the doctor and try to get something figured out. Well, that's the same thing with depression if it's a chemical imbalance. And if that's the case, 
exercise and even prayer or spending time outside or going to Florida in the winter or chocolate ice cream. None of those things are going to help if it's simply just a chemical imbalance. So I want to, as we talk a little bit about depression, I just want to encourage you, if you're feeling this, if you're feeling, I went through this a while ago, I just felt like a darkness. I just felt empty, depleted. I felt like I was in a cloud. I felt like I had to work so hard just to be at kind of the baseline of happiness on any given day. If that's you, there could be any number of factors, but please talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. Bring it into the light. Another thing I'm going to talk about today is anxiety. Anxiety. Um, Anxiety, a definition of that is just simply a feeling of nervousness about an upcoming event. You've got something upcoming, and you're nervous about it. And in many ways, this is normal. This is the way our bodies are designed. Um, I think about times back in my past where I was studying for an exam, and I'd know a big exam is coming. I'd feel a little bit anxious about it. And that's your body's way of saying this is a big deal. You should prepare. You should work hard. You should get ready for this. And healthy anxiety is that way. Our bodies do this. I, I remember piano recitals as a kid. I would be anxious about every one. And If it was working right, it would cause me to practice and think, well, I want to do well at this piano recital. So my anxiety leads me to work a little bit harder to perform better. Sometimes my anxiety would go way past the point of healthy, and I'd get up at the piano recital, and I would just freeze and just sit there and think, I've never seen this thing before in my life. How am I supposed to play this thing? Here I am in front of all these people. Uh, Our bodies are designed when we face a fearful circumstance. You've maybe heard this, fight or flight. Our bodies kick in when we face a fearful circumstance. Adrenaline picks up. Our senses are heightened. We either have the tendency to be ready to fight, or in my case, the tendency to run away as fast as we can, or in other people's case, to just freeze and panic. This is normal anxiety when we are facing a threatening situation. This is the way our bodies work. That's normal and healthy. But there is an unhealthy anxiety. And if you've experienced this, you know what I'm talking about. There is an unhealthy anxiety. Whereas healthy anxiety doesn't rule your life, it just kind of encourages you to work a little harder to prepare. Unhealthy anxiety can take over. It can take over. And what I understand about chronic anxiety or panic attacks is that you are experiencing all the physical symptoms of a threatening situation. Your heart rate is racing. Your adrenaline is pumping. Your senses are, you're feeling like this panic, like you're in the midst of a tense situation, a dangerous situation, but there is no dangerous situation. It's just your body is reacting like you're in the middle of something causing you to panic. You feel it. You feel the physical symptoms adrenaline, a sick stomach, all the signs of fear. And again, this can be simply a chemical thing going on. This can be a learned habit of anxiety. But again, this is your soul's cry for help. I was reading uh, through these books, and one of the things they said, so much of this can be learned habits from the home you grew up in. If you grew up in a home that was always anxious, or you grew up in a home that was traumatic, and you had traumatic experiences as a child, often that will lead to facing depression or anxiety later on in life. So when I was reading that, I was encouraged as a parent, and I want to encourage the parents here. You, parents, are setting the tone for the environment that your kids are growing up in. 
You are setting the tone for an environment. If your kids are growing up and everything you face, everything you face as a family, it can either be met with just panic. Everybody panic. It's all falling apart. And your kids can learn, well, that must be normal behavior for when everything goes wrong. Or as Christian families, we can say, no, we believe in God. We believe that God is taking care of us. I want to encourage the parents. You are setting the tone. We are setting the tone. We are creating the memories that our kids will tell their therapists one day of what it was like growing up in our family. And in my family, we grew up where this was normal. This sort of behavior was normal. This sort of interaction with my parents was normal. This sort of interaction between my parents was normal. And what do we want to say to our kids in the environment that we are raising them in? What are we wanting to say to them that is important? How do we handle conflict? How do we handle fear and anxiety? How do we walk through these things? And I'm not saying that if, you're, if you have a child facing anxiety that it's your fault as the parents. I'm definitely not saying that. But as parents, we need to be mindful of this. This is the tone that we are setting for our kids. This is what we are doing to, set, to tell our kids this is how we handle this. Anxiety is just something that can come in. It can affect us. You can have those physical responses. And believe it or not, believe it or not, when you're facing anxiety, a panic attack, having somebody come to you and say, calm down, is not the help, right? It doesn't help. Have you ever been there where you're anxious about something, you're nervous about something, and someone says, well, just calm down. And they say it with such a intensity and... Uh, an intensity that causes you to be unable to actually be calm because they're very uncalm while they say it. Um, if you are facing anxiety, panic attacks, for whatever it is, again, I want you to know there is hope. There is help for you. Part of our series, we're going to have someone just come share four or five minutes on their story. So we have someone who's going to come talk this morning. Liz Peranto is going to come up here. Could you give Liz a nice round of applause? I'm right over here. I'm going to turn this... Back issues. Liz was up here singing on the worship team earlier, does a great job, but uh, I understand that maybe singing in front of people and speaking in front of people might be a different deal. Is that the case? That is the case, and then you have me speaking on anxiety. <laughs> right. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I don't know how you talked me into these things. So this, yeah, we joked earlier how she's kind of walked through this journey of facing anxiety and panic attacks, and we joked, not that it's ha-ha funny, but that this might be the, the source of a new whole anxiety attack, just standing in front of people <laughs> talking. But Liz is up here today. Um, Tell us a little bit about your journey over the last several years about facing anxiety and panic attacks, if you would, please. Yes. Well, I would say it probably started when I was really young, but I didn't recognize it until I was probably about 26-ish when it got really bad. So we went for a long time where we thought I had stomach problems, it was the doctor, no one knew, and I feel like it wasn't very well talked about and how I wish we would have had something like this to, like, let you know, you know, like, oh, okay, this is what's going on here. <laughs> um, when I was about, so about six years ago, we had a trigger that really was hard on us, a family traumatic situation where we had a miscarriage at 15 weeks. Um, so after that, I feel like I grieved pretty healthy. I feel like the depression wasn't horrible. It was hard, but we made it through. And um, about three months later, my body would do just what you were talking about, the racing hard, the tingling fingers, the stomach aches, like, and it wouldn't go away. So I would go to sleep at night, wake up the moment I was aware I was awake, my heart would start racing. And it would go for the entire day where I couldn't eat, couldn't swallow, like you'd have to force me to eat. Like it was just horrible. So yeah, we went for about 
a good three weeks. So we went to the doctor, start researching, start studying it, realizing what's going on, um, what we had gone through, what, what actually what I was going through in the past and how it is, had run in my family. All of a sudden, everybody shares. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay, so you, you've dealt with this too, so I'm not alone. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I figured it out. And then, yeah, I just started educating myself on what it was. Um. So what were some of the things that helped you? As you, were recogni you recognized what this was, what were some of the things that kind of helped you get through it? Because we have talked, and she has, when she was kind of telling me her story, she's journeyed through this, where now it is not an issue. You, how long has it been since you've had a panic attack? It's been a year and a half. Year and a half. All right. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> So what were some of the things that you learned walking through that? What are some of the things that helped you through that? Um, well, a lot of it, like you said, too, it's, uh, a lot of it's physical. It's a lot of it's just a chemical imbalance. And then a lot of it is just, and through that, you really got to cling to the Lord. You got to cling to the scripture. So I would, at first, I kind of felt like I was a victim. So a lot of times, I remember one time I was at a Bible study, and they were saying, like, oh, you know, let's just pray for anxiety or whatever. And my ear would perk up like it was my name. And at that time, I was like, this, is, this identity has attached itself to me, and that's just not what God has for me. And um, so as we kind of went through just realizing, I'm like, this is not a part of me, I started to get angry. I started to really start reaching out. So I started to talk to plenty of friends, ask for prayer, get on the prayer list. I was just desperate to get this attachment off of me. And so... Um, a lot of people would, you know, have a lot of physical advice, like take these supplements, to use these oils, and all that stuff helps. Did clean eating, exercise, but um, a lot of them would lead me to different scriptures that had been a huge help. Um, but yeah, a lot of times it was frustrating though, because you would hear of like, oh, I struggled with this, now I'm healed, and you think, well, how come I haven't been healed yet? Like, why, why am I still struggling with this? Right. So. Um, as time went on, it wasn't like a click, like, okay, now I'm healed, now I'm good. But it was just like this slow process of suddenly being able to just take a breath again, be able to play with my kids and enjoy it and, you know, eat and just all the normal day-to-day -day things. I enjoyed cleaning and cooking again, which, you know, that's weird. <laughs> but <laughs> um, And one of, the, one of the scriptures I did jot down, that I really hung on to was, my body and mind may fail, but God is my strength and my portion forever. That's Psalm 73, 26. That's great. So, because um, I'm going to be talking about this in the last few minutes this morning, this, the idea of holding on to the truths of Scripture, what were some of the practical ways that you would allow or get the Scriptures into you? Was it just kind of reading your Bible? Was there other ways that you would kind of have those reminders? Um, I had one. Um, which one is it? That I will not do not be anxious about anything, mm -hmm. pray about everything. And I had that written on a piece of paper I put in my pocket. Every time I'd grab my pocket, I'd read it. Like that paper was like all full of holes and it was all <laughs> thinned out and everything. I'd post stuff around the house. We would frame things, um, put stuff on my phone, like as the screensaver. Just what, wherever I could, always be trying to fill myself up with the truth and trying to let go of the enemy's lies. Wow, that's great. That is awesome. Um, any, like, final advice or encouragement or? I would just say don't be shy about it. Like, you feel like there's something really wrong with you and you want to just kind of stuff it down, and that's really probably the worst thing that, that I did. So 
we're not perfect, we're not, nobody is. And once we start opening up, you start seeing how common it is and how many people are dealing right. with it. Right. And uh, yeah, I'd say just really reaching out and awesome. flooding yourself with worship music. Just awesome. keep it good, yeah. Thank you, can we thank Liz for sharing? I'm, I'm gonna take that mic. Don't trip, I got it. couple things about what she shared. I love the fact that she is, and um, over the years, Liz has been a part of worship teams that we've been a part of, and I love that this morning she was up here, like I said, from Psalm 40, she's singing a new song. She's singing a new song. She is up here worshiping, leading people in worship, having gone through this journey. Um, and the one thing she said that just, I didn't know she was going to say that, but it just rang true, is she would hear someone talk about um, anxiety and her ears would perk up like it was her name, like someone was calling out her name. And that just rang out to me. Some of you are in that same situation where you feel this illness that you're dealing with is your identity. It's your name. It is like as close to you as the very name, and you just respond to it whenever somebody says it. Um, we're going to look at one story in Scripture. We've got about 10 minutes left. And I want to just encourage you, if you are fighting this, this is not who you are. And I love that the scriptures, one of the things that it says is, in Christ we are new creations. He gives us a new name. He gives us a new identity where the old name could have been fallen, sinful, depressed, anxious, whatever it is. The new name is now child of God, forgiven by Jesus. New name is holiness and righteous. This is what we're going to talk about this more in the weeks to come. But this is the work of the cross. This is the work of Jesus Christ. He gives us a new name. I want to encourage you, don't struggle through this alone. This is treatable. This is, could be something through prayer, through scripture. It could be through counseling and talking to people. It could be through medication. Or what I'm learning is it's often a combination of a number of things. I don't think anyone would say, well, the one solution is this, and this is the only thing you need to do. Often it's a combination of everything. But bring it into the light. Bring it into the light. Two thoughts as we, as we close today. Um, one is sometimes it's anxious, anxiousness or anxiety and depression is just a learned habit. And, and please hear me on this. I'm talking about if you are a person who believes in God, but yet everything you face is just anxious and you're worried about your kids you're worried about your finances, and you're worried about your health, and you're worried about your house, if, the, if your house is big enough or too big, or you're worried about your job, if it's, gonna, if it's the right job, or you need a new job, if you're making enough money, you're worried about our nation, security and terrorism in our nation, you're worried about issues facing families, and, and everything you, you walk through is just worry, 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 worry. And if you do that, you can work yourself into a frenzy. If you are anxious simply because you refuse to put your trust in God, well, then that's a problem. Okay, now I'm just speaking for those of you who are here who are Jesus followers, okay? You might have come here just because you saw something in the paper and you wanted to hear someone talk about depression and anxiety, and this might not apply to you. But if you have Jesus in your life, if you are a follower of God, you need to get to a point where you say, I trust you, God. I know that your scriptures ring true of you're going to provide, you're going to take care of us. And if you're to the point where you are striving and worrying and try to control everything yourself, well, this really is 
a form of idolatry where you are taking something and putting something in the place of God in your life. And typically what we love to do is we love to put us in the place of God saying, I'm going to control everything. I'm going to strive and I'm going to work and I'm going to take care of everything myself. And you just get anxious and worried and it wears you out because we were never, ever meant to be God of our lives. And I've said this before, the sooner, if you've been trying to establish yourself as ruler, as God of your life, the sooner that we all realize that we are terrible at being God. Anyone ever tried to be God and control everything? Maybe you're trying to control a spouse or your kids. Anytime I think I have a lot of control, I just try to control one of my kids and I realize this ain't working at all. They're not listening to me at all. The sooner we can realize that we are terrible gods. We're not meant to control everything. If you have God in your life, just allow yourself to put your trust in him. Facing difficult circumstances, put your trust in him. So the the first step tonight is this. Give your life to God. It's going to be on the screen. Step one, give your life to God. This might be a first-time decision where you've never really acknowledged that God is real in your life. Give your heart to God. If you, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess that Jesus died and rose again for you, that you are saved. You now have God living in you. You are a new creation. You can walk through life not trying to control everything yourself, but realize there is an all-powerful God who is looking out for me. He is sovereign. And when you trust him, you find this peace. You find this peace because you know all the things that I can't handle on my own, Almighty God is going to lead me through these. It's not going to be perfect, but he's going to lead me through this. There's certain verses, 2 Timothy 1.7, he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. What Liz mentioned in her when she was up here talking, Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation present your requests to God. And what it says next is the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, will guard your hearts, and your minds in Christ Jesus. So step one is that. Give your life to God. Give your life to God. Now, I'm not saying that all anxiety is going to go away when you're a Christian. We've got people who have been Christians a long time, and we would all say there's, your life doesn't get perfect. You go through tragedy. You go through difficult things. There are times where you go through circumstances. I've been a Christian my whole life. There's been t- certain times where we've gone through things with our kids, with, in our marriage, with other family members, and any number of circumstances where I am anxious, I am worried, I am like, God, you got to help me through this. you got to help us through this. You are not unspiritual if you experience anxiety or depression. You're not unspiritual if at times you are worried and fearful. Jesus himself, the night before he was going to go be crucified, he was in the garden and he was praying and it says... He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This is Jesus saying, I'm about to go through something that I don't think I can go through. I am overwhelmed with sorrow. We are going to go through things. Even as Christians, life does not get perfect. And all the Christians said, amen. We know that to be true. There's a story of the disciples in the boat. They're caught in a storm, and Jesus walks out to them. And they're freaking out. They're in the middle of a storm. They feel like everything is caving in around them. And Jesus says, you need not fear. And I love that certain translations of Scripture say it that way. You need not fear. It's like Jesus is saying to us, I understand that there's difficult things you're going to go through. I understand that there's times where you're going to be afraid, but you don't need to be afraid. I am with you. I am with you. 
Jesus is saying, I know it seems tough now, but you don't need to be afraid. Which all leads to step number two. And this is important. We've got a few minutes left, and I just want to leave you with this. We all need to learn the difference between what we feel and what is real. Learn the difference between what you feel and what is real. Certainly easier said than done. And I've experienced this in a season of depression where I was feeling and I was trying to will myself out of it. I I feel like all this is falling apart. I know that's not true. But there are certain things, just practical coping mechanisms in recognizing, okay, I'm feeling this, but what I know to be true is this. So I'm feeling panicked and anxious right now, and even though I'm feeling it, I know I'm not in a dangerous situation. I've, I've talked to people who have gone through this anxiety, and they said one of the coping mechanisms is to just almost try to tell yourself, I know I'm feeling this way, but I know I'm not in danger. Maybe you're in a panic attack because you're unsure of a certain outcome, and you can say, I know I'm feeling this way, but what you know to be real is I've been here before. I've experienced this before. The outcome was like this. It's going to be okay. It'll be like that again. It can be so tough in the midst of a dark night of the soul to convince yourself otherwise, in the midst of a panic attack. But in the midst of the storm, like those disciples in the boat that day, there's an anchor. In the midst of uncertainty, there is truth. And as people of faith, we anchor ourselves in the truth of God, who he is and what he says in his word. So real quick, one final story. I'm going to illustrate this. A story found in 2 Kings. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. We're just going to read a few verses. 2 Kings in the Old Testament, chapter 6. This is a great story which illustrates this so well. The idea of what we feel, what we see is real, and then what is actually real. Story of the Old Testament, there was a king, an evil king named Aram, and he was the king of the the Arameans, and they were an enemy of God's people, the Israelites, okay? So I'm not going to get too much into history here. So this enemy, the Arameans, they would always try to find the Israelite army and sneak up on them so they could wipe them out. Now the Israelites, they had a prophet named Elisha, who was a man of God, and he would hear from God. And so the Arameans would say, okay, we're going to sneak up. The Israelite army's over here. We're going to sneak around them. They're not even going to know it's coming. And all of a sudden, God would reveal this to Elisha, the prophet, and he would send a message to the Israelite army leader. Hey, the Arameans are going to sneak around here, so you should move out of the way. So they would do that. The Arameans would follow on with their plan, sneak around, and there'd be nobody there. And this happens a number of times where finally the king... King Aram says, okay, every time we try to sneak up on these people, they're gone. So he's accusing his guys, one of you is letting them know what we're doing. One of you is a mole, and we're going to find out who it is. And they say, it's not us, king. They've got this prophet, a man of God, Elisha, who is telling them everything you're thinking. They're basically saying it's hopeless as long as this Elisha guy is hearing from God. So King Aram thinks of the next best thing, and he says, well, we've got to go find this Elisha. Forget about the army. We'll find this Elisha guy, and we're going to wipe him out. So Aram sends this military force. They find out where Elisha is, and they send this force to where he is camped, and they surround him. And in the morning, Elisha's not with the army. He's with just a few other people. And in the morning, one of Elisha's servants gets up, goes outside, and sees the enemy army all around. And Elisha's servant says, this is bad. As we would all say, right? Okay, we're not with our good guy army. It's just me and the man of God and surrounded by the enemy. Surrounded by the enemy. And this is what 
Elisha's servant says. So he goes and gets Elisha and says, Elisha, come here. I got, I got bad news. I got bad news and I got bad news. What do you want first? Um, I got bad news. And he looks and he sees the army around him. And Elisha says, don't worry. Um, actually, I'm going to read the verses here. Verse 15 of 2 Kings. When the servant, it's going to be on the screen. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? He's saying to Elisha. What shall we do? The servant asked. Now we're going to stay on this next one just for a second. Don't be afraid. This next one, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. That's Elisha. And he says these words. We're going to keep the screen up just for a second. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So Elisha is saying, servant guy, don't be afraid. I know it's just me and you, and we're surrounded by this army of enemies, but those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So if you're the servant guy, you're thinking Elisha has lost it because you're looking and you're like, it's me and you. Any way I count it, I count two, and I can see hundreds around us. What in the world? Like He has to be thinking he has lost his mind. And then the next verse says this, and Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When I read that, I start hearing the chariots of fire theme song right there. So you can imagine that, because that's going to be even better than what I'm about to say if you're hearing chariots of fire theme song. Elisha says, you might see just me and you, you might see what you think is real, that we're surrounded by an enemy, but God opened his eyes to what's really happening. And God opens his eyes and he sees heavenly armies surrounding them on the hills. The presence of God, his angels, the chariots of fire. You know, this is what's happening, right? You can hear it. I love it. You can hear it, and the servant's eyes were opened. And a minute ago, he would have said, I know what's going on. This feels dangerous. I know what seems to be real is that we're surrounded by an enemy. And Elisha says, but here is what is real. The power of God, his angels, his armies are surrounding you. And what happens, it's a great end of the story, is that the uh, angel armies come down, and they strike the Aramean army with blindness, so they can't see. So then Elisha and his servant walk over to the army, and they're saying, hey, blind guys, who are you looking for? And they're like, we're looking for Elisha in this. And Elisha's like, oh, you're in the wrong place. you got to go over here. So he leads them like to another land altogether, and that's when their sight is restored, and they open their eyes, and they're like, oh, we got duped again. It was so, it was so awesome. It was so awesome. I love that it was just God like just poking them with a stick a little bit, like, yeah, you're really not that powerful. Um, I want to encourage you. There is a difference between what you feel and what is real. And when you are in the midst of depression, anxiety, or any number of things, you may feel like you're surrounded. You may feel like the enemy is closing in around you. Your heart is racing. You may feel like the very breath is just being choked out. The enemy is overtaking you. You may feel like you are outnumbered and there's no way you can beat this on your own. You may feel like you are unable to fight anymore. You can't face another day like that. You may feel down and defeated and discouraged, but what is real is that the armies of God are surrounding you. 
And my prayer is that your eyes would be open today to that reality, that God's presence is surrounding you. His angel armies are surrounding you, ready to strike down the enemy, ready to cause the enemy to run away, ready to strike the enemy with blindness. This is what is real. So this week, if you're facing something where it feels like darkness, what is real is that God is with you. When you feel depressed and anxious, you have the truth of God's word at your disposal. You have the truth of the scripture at your disposal. You can read these promises of God. You can read those promises of God that ring true for you. We memorized Psalm 34 as a church this past summer. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me and he freed me from all my fears. Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, the peace of God which transcends all human understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. If you can get God's word in you, this is a weapon. This is not Hallmark card, fun things to remember. This is the truth of God. This is a weapon against any depression that you face. So as we wrap up today, sorry, I've gone a little bit over today. We have these books out in the back. Maybe some of you picked them up. It's got the title of the series on the front, Out of the Pit. And what we've done is we've just gone through and made a little flip book of just all sorts of different scriptures. Some of them are long. Some of them are short. They've got little nice designs on them. These are the truth of God's scripture that you can go through. I want to encourage you to commit some of these to memory. Read through these. Read through these. Get them into your life so that you can be like Liz when you are facing an anxiety attack. You know she had a piece of paper in her pocket. You know that you've got that truth of scripture. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The peace of, mind will gu- peace of God will guard my mind in Christ Jesus. You know that that truth is there. So as we journey through this over the next few weeks, I want to encourage you to, to join us over the next few weeks. The very first thing, invite God into your life. Learn to recognize what feels real and what is real, the truth of who God is and his power in your life. Amen? Amen.